I want to remind you this morning that the Reformation was a gospel movement. It was a gospel movement that was fueled by Scripture. It's important that we begin there because it is the Scripture, not men, who brought a revival to what the Christian world at that time understood the church to be. Through Scripture, the Reformers established five Latin phrases that summarize the biblical distinction. The biblical distinction between Protestant theology and Catholic theology. And this biblical distinction that they brought to the surface is, is what they saw in Scripture to declare the true gospel. Not what they had heard from the councils of the church. Not what they had heard from the leaders of the church and the dogma of the church. But what the scripture, what the scripture declared that the true gospel was. And this is important. Because when we think about the Reformation, we need to understand that this was not a man-centered movement. God used men. But these men were no different than you and I. They had faults. They had failures. They're like any other man that God has used in the history of the world, with the exception of Jesus Christ, who had imperfections and failures and weaknesses and sins and struggles. These were not perfect men, but God chose to use these men. However, it was not a man-centered movement. It was a word-centered movement. As we often say In Luther's comments, he said, I did nothing, the Word did it all. And so it was from the Word, from the Scripture, that these Reformers developed what we call the five solas. These five Latin phrases that brought to the surface what the true gospel is as declared in Scripture. Now, it's vital that we understand the word sola when we talk about this Latin phrase, the five solas, sola. Sola is the Latin word meaning alone, alone. Now, here's why that word is indispensable to our understanding of the gospel. Because Catholicism has a gospel, But it is not the gospel. It's important that we understand those distinctions. In fact, their gospel, their theology actually keeps people under the wrath of God. And it does so deceptively and subtly. Because it's not that they deny Jesus or the terms that we come to understand about the gospel. The problem with the Catholic gospel is that they add to the gospel. They add to it. And so it's important that we understand the word sola, that Latin word sola, that our understanding of the gospel is that these things alone bring salvation. For example, in Catholicism, to the work of Christ, Catholics add the work of Mary. To the intercession of Christ, they add the intercession of the saints. To the authority of the Bible, they add the authority of tradition being equal to the Bible. 
to the free gift of salvation. The free gift of salvation, they add the necessity of human merit to Christ's finished sacrifice on the cross. That once and for all sacrifice, they add the ongoing sacrifice of what they call mass. Now, I I mean no disrespect, but only to tell you the truth. And the truth this morning is that the Roman Catholic gospel is a false gospel. It is a false gospel. It is a gospel. It's not the true gospel. And this is where we come back to the five solas with emphasis on the word Sola, for it is these things alone that Scripture teaches is the true gospel. Regardless of what any dogma, Catholic dogma or whatever dogma you want to call it, says about the gospel. It is these things, these things that are descriptive of the true gospel. They they are sola scriptura, scripture alone. Sola gratia, grace alone. Sola fide, faith alone. Solus Christus, Christ alone. And soli dea gloria, the glory of God alone. With these five phrases, the authority of Christian faith is clarified. The true gospel is understood and the error of Catholicism and any other false gospel for that matter is refuted. These Five solas distinguish the reformers from the Catholic Church, and history shows us that they were willing to lay down their lives in death for the message of the true gospel, many of which were burned at the stake, stoned to death, persecuted because they stood against those abuses, they stood against those travesties, and they raised forth the banner of the Word of God. And the true gospel of Christ. Perhaps today, this morning, you're you're new to church. You're new to the Bible. You're new to Christianity. And you're wondering, why does any of this even matter? Isn't it enough that I'm just here? Isn't it enough that I acknowledge the existence of a God? Why does any of this matter? Because the most important question of life is this. How does a person get right with God? It's not enough to acknowledge the existence of God. We must understand what the Bible teaches. Yes, there is a God and I am separated from Him. Because of my sin and his perfect holiness, we are on, if you will, two different planets. How do I get right with him? How am I justified from my sin? How am I forgiven? How do I know that eternal life in heaven and not eternal damnation in hell is mine? That is the most important question. How does a person get right with God? That was the question at the heart of the Reformation. And it remains the major distinction today 
between Catholics and Protestants. For example, Catholicism answers that question like this. Sinners are saved by faithfully adhering to the dogma of the Catholic Church. Believe in Christ if you want, but you must do these other things that the church has established also. So a sinner is right with God according to the Catholic Church by faithfully adhering to the dogma of the church. Protestantism, however, biblical Christianity, believes that a person is right with God by acknowledging that sinners are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Scripture alone, in Christ alone, according to Scripture alone, and for the glory of God alone. And so it's these things that we want to focus on, these five solas, these five solas of the Reformation that identify the true gospel today and helping bring clarity to the distinctions that exist between Protestant Christianity and what Catholics refer to as Catholic Christianity. All right, number one, sola scriptura. Let's begin there, sola scriptura, the Latin phrase meaning scripture alone, scripture alone. Sola scriptura is the conviction that only scripture, only scripture, because it is God's inspired word, is our inerrant, sufficient, and final authority for the church. Paul said, our, our verse here is 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. Paul said in those verses that all Scripture, all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. Look, it is the Scripture that is inspired by God. Tradition is not inspired. The Pope is not inspired. Councils are not inspired. But during the medieval period, that is exactly what Catholicism declared. And it hasn't changed today. I read to you from the Catholic Catechism in section 82. The church to whom the transmission and interpretation of revelation is entrusted does not derive her certainty about all revealed truths from the Holy Scripture alone. Both Scripture and tradition must be accepted and honored with equal sentiments of devotion and reverence. We can understand why the Reformers often called this a Gospel movement fueled by Scripture because at the heart of this separation was how Scripture was viewed. But let me remind you of what the Scripture says about itself. Scripture alone, Scripture alone is our infallible truth and it is our final authority. Our final authority. All other authorities, tradition, the Pope, the pastor, the elders, the councils, all other authorities in this life serve underneath Scripture, while Scripture alone is to rule over all authorities. And this is 
the major distinction between Protestants and Catholics. Scripture is just one of many equal authorities, whereas Christians understand that the Bible is the one and final authority, which is why they're okay with adding to Scripture. Some of us think, well, how in the world do they derive from Scripture that you got to believe in Jesus and do all of these other things? Because when you do not believe that Scripture is the only and final authority, then at this point, it doesn't matter what you want to add to the equation. During the Reformation, the Catholic cardinals pressed Luther on the issue of the church's authority, which Luther rejected, mainly because of the papal abuse of placing themselves as equal authority of the Scripture. You see, the popes even to this day view themselves as infallible, as equal to Scripture, that as, as they speak, they are to be received as equally as Scripture is received. Here's, here's what Luther said to this, this great heresy. He said, the truth of Scripture comes first. After Scripture is accepted, one may then determine whether the words of men can be accepted as true. And today we hold to that understanding. That the Bible is God's sufficient and final authority for all of humanity. So how does a person get right with God? That's the question we're seeking to answer, isn't it? Well, that question can't be answered until we establish who or what has the authority to answer that question. Are you with me? How can we answer the question, how do I get right with God, until we find out who or what has the authority to answer that question? You see, the Reformers understood what Jesus taught about the Scriptures, that it was inspired, that it was inerrant, that it was all authoritative, that it was sufficient. So the driving force of the Reformation was that the answer to knowing the truth about how a person gets right with God is Scripture alone. Sola Scriptura. And this we affirm. So we have Scripture alone. Let me give you the second sola. Sola gratia. Sola gratia, which is grace alone. We have sola scriptura and sola gratia. We go back again to our question, how does a person get right with God? Well, there's nothing that we can do to earn a right standing before God. That's the bad news. There is not enough goodness or righteousness combined in this room to go together collectively and say, God, look at all this goodness. Is is this sufficient? Is this enough? It would be rejected A billion times over again. You see, anyone this morning who is right with God is so because of what Christ has done on our behalf. Not because of what we do, but because of what Christ has done. So this is at the basic understanding of salvation. Salvation is fully and completely the work of God. It's the work of Christ. It is not the work of man. And that's why it's called grace. It's called grace because his salvation is freely given to us as a gift. Ephesians 2 
8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. No, this is the gift of God. This is not the result of works. To make sure that no one is able to boast. This, of course, is another defining distinction between Catholics and Protestants. Catholics emphasize that humans participate in their salvation. And that we must do so in order to receive a full pardon for sin. We talked about this last Sunday in the differences between the soteriological teaching of Augustine, that faithful early church leader who held to the fact that we are depraved sinners and that the only way that we are saved is if God steps to us first. Pelagius, on the other hand, said that we learn how to sin, and since we learn how to sin, we can unlearn how to sin. And in order to be saved, then we have to step toward God before God steps towards us. And that is the main emphasis of the teaching of Catholicism today. You step toward God, and hopefully God will step toward you. Here's why that's impossible. Here's why it's impossible for us to step toward God. Because apart from the grace of God, our souls are dead. Ephesians 2, 1. You are dead in your sins. You're not flapping around like a half-dead fish hoping there might be a little bit of life in there. No, you're dead. You are laying in the casket. We have to understand this analogy. This is at the heart of grace. If we are dead, we can't do anything about that. Our minds are not alert. Our limbs cannot move. Our brains cannot think. Even our will is dead. Especially the will to do right. It's dead. You are dead in your sins. We can't get right with God, the point is, because we are dead. We are unable to do so. Our only hope is if somebody brings us to life. Our only hope is if we are awakened by the grace of God. And that is how salvation takes place. In God's grace, He awakens what is dead. And as He awakens our soul, our soul begins to see our need for Him with an awareness of our inability to get to Him in our own power. Salvation is all God's grace. It is all God's grace from beginning to end. He awakens us by His grace. He gives us faith by His grace. He justifies us by His grace. We are being sanctified this morning by His grace. We will one day be glorified by His grace. It is all, all, all grace. But Catholicism is very deceptive. Very deceptive. Because it does promote grace. 
but it redefines grace. Instead of it being the unmerited free gift of God, as we see in Scripture. In Catholicism, God gives grace only when we perform various acts of merit through the sacraments that the church has established. So, so, so an average conversation with a Catholic at work tomorrow says, hey, and I, I, don't, I don't suggest you take this approach, but maybe you look at your neighbor and say, I learned something in church yesterday. I'm a, I'm a Protestant and you're a Catholic and the difference is we believe in grace and you don't. Well, that, that conversation is not going to go very well because they acknowledge the word grace. But we have two different understandings of how grace is received. They have to perform in order for grace to receive. Thank God the Bible says, I don't have to perform in order for grace to be mine. It is deceptive. But let me remind you of what the scripture alone says, Romans 3.20. For by the works of the flesh, whatever sacrament you want to call it, whatever good deed, whatever charity you want to strive to, by the works of the flesh, no human being will be made right with God in his sight. It is impossible to be made right with God on our own. We're dead. We're dead. And we need the grace of God to awaken us to him. It's why we pray that God will save sinners. You ever notice that? We pray that God will save sinners because that's the only way sinners get saved is if God awakens them. It's all of grace. It's all of grace. We're saved by grace and by his grace alone. Sola gratia. This we affirm. Let me give you the third sola. Sola fide. Sola fide, faith alone. We looked at Scripture alone, grace alone. Here's the third one, faith alone. Now, if God's grace is something that we receive and not something we earn, then that automatically brings another question, which is how is it that we receive it? Well, the answer is by faith. By faith alone. Let me read a rather lengthy passage to you. It's on the screen. Romans chapter 3 and verse 20. We just quoted verse 20. Let's read it again. For by the works of the law, the works of the flesh, no human being will be justified in his sight. Since through the law comes knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God, here it is. Through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And we are justified by his grace as a gift. Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This is to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he has passed over former sins it was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just as well as the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus then what becomes of our boasting it is excluded by what kind of law is it by the law of works that we are made right with God no it is by the law of faith faith 
For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. And then he echoes that sentiment in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8. It's by grace you've been saved through faith. Faith. Faith alone. So it is by faith. Faith alone that we are made right with God. And listen to me very carefully this morning. God requires nothing more than faith to be right with him. Well, Pastor, the scripture is clear. Like, what, what do they say about faith alone? You don't have to look very far. Again, you can go right to the Catholic catechisms, right there in their canon of dogma, and see these things. I pulled it up this week and just trying to understand a little bit better about how Catholics addressed Protestants, what they think of us in regards to the doctrine of faith alone. And, and here's what their own catechism says. If anyone says that the sinner is justified by faith alone, all right, is that what we're saying this morning? Yes. So this is what they're talking about us. If anyone says that the sinner is justified by faith alone, meaning that nothing else is required in order to obtain the grace of justification, and that it is not in any way necessary that he be prepared and disposed by the action of his own will, let him be anathema. It's the word for cursed. Those who declare that receiving the grace of God is by faith alone, let them be cursed. Catholicism is quite aware of what we as Protestants understand the Bible to teach. So much so that it's not blurred in their mind. There is a very strong line of distinction. It's why. We hold true to the sad reality that our Catholic friends and family need to hear the true gospel because this right here is not the true gospel. They call themselves Christian. They even use the same terms that we use, but it is so deceptive that they're suddenly taught, subtly taught, that faith is not enough. Let me tell you what faith is before we go to the next one. Faith is living with a solid conviction in the absolute truth of God's word. That's what faith is. Faith is not wishful think thinking. All right? Faith is not something for dumb people who can't figure it out. Faith is living with the absolute conviction that this is God's word. It is true. I believe it, and I'm obeying it. That's faith. And that's all that God requires for us to receive his grace. Faith and faith alone. You see, the beauty this morning is, regardless of what any church or religion tells you, any sinner, any sinner can be made right with God. By God's grace. When he declares faith in the truth of the gospel alone. This we affirm. This we believe. Sola Scriptura. 
Scripture alone. Sola gratia, grace alone. Sola fide, faith alone. Number four, solus Christus. Christ alone. Christ alone. Now, God's choice to declare us right with him is not on the basis of something in us. It is solely based on the righteousness of someone else. Jesus Christ and him alone. It is faith in the righteousness of Christ alone that allows us to receive God's grace and be made right with him. I cannot emphasize that enough. Christ alone. Christ alone. Christ alone. Christ alone because he's the only way. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way. He didn't say, I am a way. He said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Christ alone because he's the only way. Christ alone because he's the only hope. 2 Corinthians 5, 21, for our sake God made him, Christ, to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. He's our only hope. He's the only one who could take on sin and its punishment into his perfect body and in a great exchange of faith give us his perfect righteousness so that when I die and stand before God, I do not stand before him in sin, in imperfection, in failure. No, when God sees me, he sees Christ and his righteousness. And there's only one who can do that. I can't do that for you. Young people, your parents can't do that for you. The Pope can't even do that for you. Only Jesus Christ can do that for you. He is the only way. He is the only hope. It's Christ alone because he's the only mediator that we have. <laughs> he's the only way. He's the only hope. He's the only mediator, 1 Timothy 2.5. There is one God and there is one mediator between God and men. And it is the man. Christ Jesus. What is the word teaching us? It's teaching us that the gospel is Jesus. <laughs> That's what the gospel is. He who has always existed, God, left his royal throne in heaven, willfully entered the womb of a woman, took on flesh, became a man, and was called Jesus. He lived a life of complete perfection, yet he died a sinner's death in the place of sinners. But thanks be to God, he rose again three days later so that all who trust in him alone as Lord and Savior can be saved from their sin and made gloriously right with God. That is the gospel. The gospel is Jesus. The gospel is Christ alone. Now, as we've already indicated, Catholicism is a very complex system. It is full of many nuances. So there are several processes that are presented as things that aid in the salvation of sinners. So again, yes, Christ died. But according to them, his sacrifice does not fully atone for sin. It does a lot of the work, but it doesn't do all of the work. More must be done. And again, this is where we see the deceptive nature of Catholicism come into the play in the many minds of those seeking to be right with God. 
what else according to them, according to the dogma, the tradition, the pope, the priest, the councils? Well, mass, mass is a major part in helping your sins be atoned for. That is, it's a sacrament. Mass is a sacrament of the Catholic Church whereby Christ is offered as a sacrifice again. We could get into the nuances of the Eucharist, which is what we call the Lord's Supper and the eating of the bread and the drinking of the blood, the, the, the cup, which we, we believe symbolizes what Christ has done for us. But, but, but in their tradition, they, they actually declare that when you eat the bread, you're actually taking into your body the body of Christ. So when you drink of the wine, you are actually taking into your body the blood of Christ. And so we can get into this, this theological term called transubstantiation, which again, the bottom line is every time you go to Mass, every time you take the Eucharist, you are sacrificing the body and blood of Christ over and over again because we need a continual sacrifice, according to them. We need the continual sacrifice in order for our sins to be fully atoned for. Yet, Hebrews is very clear. That he made one sacrifice for all sin. To think that I need more sacrifices is to believe that it's not in Christ alone. That Christ's was, sacrifice was actually insufficient. Now, mass is not the only thing. We could talk about the intercession of saints. Saints who have passed on can provide help in providing grace. That's why you want to be good to your grandma. Because according to their tradition, she might be very helpful to you getting out of purgatory one day. We can talk about the mediating work of Mary. How that in the Catholicism theology, they believe that she was immune to original sin. That she held the same perfection as Jesus. And because of that, her work is equal to Christ's work. So she helps bring salvation. We could get into the nuances of the Pope again, how that he is acknowledged as infallible, how that he has power over the church, how he has power over purgatory. I think it was Luther, might have been Calvin, one of the reformers who said, if the Pope has that much power, power over purgatory, why don't he just get everybody out right now? It's the, it's the same idea as the false heresy of the health, wealth, and prosperity teachers. If it's true that they have the power to heal all sickness, if you just write them this check and send them this prayer cloth, then why don't they just go down to the children's hospital today and clean it all out? Because all of these things are added to Scripture. This is not the Bible. The Bible doesn't say that man has the power to forgive your sins. That man has the power to save from hell. No, that power relies only in Christ and Christ alone. Acts 4.12 There is salvation in nobody else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. It is all Christ and Christ alone. Nate Pickowitz said, we do not look to earthly saviors, nor do we rely on the intercession of saints. Neither religious rituals, nor pious prayers, nor earthly sacrifices, nor extravagant offerings, nor human merits can accomplish the work of salvation. Only Christ and Christ alone. Why? Because it is at the name of Jesus, not the name of Mary, not the name of Pope Benedict or whoever he is today. 
No, it is at the name of Jesus every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord and Savior to the glory of God the Father. Friends, if we do not see salvation in Christ alone, we do not possess God's true salvation. That is a sobering thought, even to those of you who may have never darkened into the doors of a Catholic church. You grew up in legalism. You grew up in Baptist churches who preached every single week that if you don't do this and if you don't stop going there and all these kind of things, it's all about your righteousness, all about your righteousness. What I so much appreciate about Austin when he shares his testimony to us, growing up in a Christian home his entire life, thinking that it depended upon his righteousness. It wasn't until the day that he understood as a college student that it was not his righteousness. It was Christ's righteousness. Remember when Brandon Poff came to Christ, he had already made a profession of faith in our church. But sitting right over here, Brandon, you'll remember a couple of years ago before your baptism, we were saying, he said, Pastor, look, I'm, I'm, I'm relying on myself. I'm trusting in me. I mean, I know Christ has done all this, but in my mind, I'm thinking that there's some stuff I got to do too in order to be right with God. And it was right here on this front row that Brandon, like many others in this church, have come to the conclusion, no, there is nothing in me that's going to make me right with God. It is Christ and Christ alone. It doesn't have to be Catholicism to deceive you about that. It could be your Baptist church. It could be your legalistic heritage. Anything that usurps the authority of the Bible by convincing you that you ought to do this and read that and wear those in order to be right with God, that, my friends, is anathema. It is Christ and Christ alone, solus Christus. This we affirm. This we affirm. And then the final solo. Soli Deo Gloria. Soli Deo Gloria. The glory of God alone. We've been asking the question, how does a person get right with God? Well, the answer to that question is found in Scripture alone. We've already established that. So as we go to Scripture, we discover in Scripture that salvation, that is being made right with God, is by God's grace alone through faith alone, in Christ alone. And it is only if our salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, that God alone will receive all the glory. I want you to think about that. It is only if our salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, that God alone will receive all the glory. If any ounce of our salvation is contingent upon something that we can do or claim that we have achieved, then God doesn't receive all the glory. And if God doesn't receive all the glory... If God doesn't receive all the glory, then we haven't been saved in Christ alone. Romans eleven thirty six. For from him and through him and to him are all things. So to him be glory forever. God didn't save us for our glory. He saved us for his glory. 
Perhaps no chapter in the Bible does this seem more clearly than Ephesians chapter 1. In the first 14 verses of Ephesians 1, Paul is describing the work of salvation. And he uses a phrase three times. To the praise of his glory. To the praise of his glory. To the praise of his glory. God has saved us to the praise of his glory, not the praise of our glory. That's why when we talk about our salvation, may we make much of Jesus, not about us. May we make much of Jesus, not about others. May we make much of the Lord because it is for God's glory that he saved us. It's for his glory that he gave us grace when we could do nothing about it ourselves. It is for his glory that he sent Jesus Christ to the praise of his glory. His glory. It's all about him. And we see that today. Salvation is all about him, his word, his grace, his righteousness, his sacrifice. His glory. Sola Deo Gloria. Glory to God alone. This we affirm. And friends, this is how a person gets right with God. Which is why when we focus on how a person gets right with God, we see very clearly the reasons why we're not Catholic. Why we're not Hindu. Why we're not Muslim. Why we're not Christian scientists. We are who we are because we understand this morning that we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, according to Scripture alone, and for the glory of God alone. And you can be saved. I hope you know that. I find it interesting that any time I try to witness and share the gospel with my friends who especially have been raised Catholic, that's, that's, that's like the first thing out, out the mouth, right, is, hey, I would love for you to come to church with me sometimes. We're Catholic. As if maybe in our minds we think that disqualifies them <laughs> from the grace of God. Can you hear me this morning? If you've walked into this room Catholic, you can walk out of this room saved by the grace of God. (laughs) If you came in here a Muslim, you can leave a follower of Jesus. If you came in here relying upon your righteousness, you can leave here relying on Christ's righteousness. Anyone can be saved, made right with God, if you will simply come to him. Empty-handed. As the old hymn, Rock of Ages, says, Nothing in my hand I bring, only to the cross I cling. So we go back in closing to our opening scripture, Romans chapter 1. Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous live by faith. How do we summarize that? Well, according to the gospel, not the dogma, not the tradition, Not the councils, 
but according to the gospel, sinners are made righteous by faith in him. Come to Jesus. He's the only way. He's the only hope. He's the only mediator. Come to him. And he will not turn you away. Let's stand together for prayer.